The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Here we are, the second day of this series on the Insight Pentad. And um, these Pentads of last week and this week, the Gladness Pentad and the Insight Pentad, are descriptions of a natural unfolding uh, in Buddhist practice and meditation practice. So first there's the idea that we don't have to be the and always in the driver's seat of our meditation, always controlling it, making it happen, measuring it, doing it, kind of, you know, riding, riding close and tight. And there's a time and place where we want to kind of allow a natural process to unfold that unfolds better if we start giving up control and allow something to happen. But that giving up control and allowing happens when best happens when there's already some uh, centeredness in the present moment, some momentum of being focused here and present, that the that there's le- very little tendency to get distracted and a lot of tendency, a lot of interest in being really uh, connected to our experience, connected to the breathing. And um, so uh, because if this, if uh, there's a kind of a... Um, if this momentum exists within us of being present, then letting go and giving up control, um, uh, we're letting go into that momentum and something can begin happening. But without some uh, opening and allowing something to happen, um, there's no room for it to happen sometimes if we're, you know, trying to, trying to always trying to operate from our control and desires and all that. So uh, uh, with time, uh, as we set, uh, settle in, uh, there's insight. We see something really clearly. And exactly what we see varies from person to person. And classically, one of the key things to see is um, how changing our experiences moment by moment. And uh, we can't hold on to it. We just kind of allow, allow for the changing nature of it. Uh, some people don't understand why this is so significant. And some people uh, have other insights, other understandings uh, that are key as we kind of keep unfolding. So what's interesting to see is uh, what these insights lead to. If we, the kind of insights we're looking for lead us in a certain direction and uh, open to something. And if we understand what they're opening to, then we can look back and see, have a personal understanding of all the different things that might support all the kind of insights that might support that opening. And, um, and what it opens to in, the, is, uh, di- is, uh, in English is usually translated as disenchantment. And um, it's a kind of uh, uh, strong disinterest in continuing with some of the business as usual, some of the usual things that our mind, 
heart does. And um, so a disenchantment, a disinterest, a, a kind of a healthy, uh, you know, enough already. And I've done this, and this, and I've done this enough, kind of a certain healthy kind of uh, weariness or tiredness or, uh, God, this is, you know, enough already. Uh, and it can happen, for example, if um, in meditation, say for you meditate every every morning for half an hour, and after 252 days, you realize that every morning um, you are obsessing about lottery numbers, and that's all you think about. So you get to, to the 253 days, and you realize, wait a minute, a good part of this last year, I've been thinking about lottery numbers to no avail. It hasn't helped me win any lottery. I haven't been had a single accurate number on any lottery anywhere on the planet. And I'm spending an inordinate amount of my time in meditation thinking about lotteries, let alone outside of it. Um, you know, maybe uh, it's enough already. I feel tired from all this thinking and figuring and calculating I do in meditation. And I'm, you know, I'm really getting tired of this now. And so there's a disenchantment, a disinterest. Maybe a person hasn't won any lotteries. And so there's a real, there was, they were so enchanted and so entranced with the possibility that, of what would happen if they won the lottery. And so after, after 253 days of this, the, finally the person be, starts becoming disinterested, disenchanted with, um, maybe they start falling out of the trance of instant wealth that maybe the lottery provides. So, um, so in, we call it disenchantment. I like the word disenchantment because uh, it implies that uh, you've been enchanted. You're under the spell of something. And we can be under the spell of our desires, uh, under the spell of our fantasies, under the spell of certain beliefs that uh, if only my partner behaves better, then I'll, be, then I'll have a good life. If only, the, if only spell. There's the spell of conceit. And this is all kinds of ways in which we uh, are overly interested or caught in ideas about how terrible I am, how wonderful I am, how mediocre I am. <laughs> um, all these ways of being entranced with that. And, um, and so as we sit and meditate, uh, sometimes the repetition of the same kind of thoughts and behaviors and interests we start seeing it more and more and more clearly, and we start seeing this is a high cost. You know, I've been resentful for 252 days. You know, maybe I didn't realize I was doing it every day. Now that I meditate, I see it, and only because of the of the familiarity and seeing the regularity do we understand the cost of daily resentment, resentment meditation. And so then there starts to be a disenchantment starts to be a disinterest. And, um, <clears throat> and so the, our attention, our life energy, doesn't go into those thoughts around that thing. And, um, and rather now it's more available for this momentum that we're talking about in practice, this momentum kind of making, getting out of the way even more for the momentum of concentration, the momentum of mindfulness, attention, the momentum of being more settled has a chance to kind of operate because we're not activating ourselves with it all. So to become disenchanted with craving, disenchanted with ill will, 
disenchanted with uh, all kinds of fantasies we have, disenchanted with conceits, self-preoccupation. Boy, I'm always self-preoccupied. Some of that might be okay, it's not necessarily wrong, but to see the regularity and how little it does for us, how it not only doesn't benefit us, it's actually uh, sometimes deleterious for us to have this. And the opportunity of meditation to sit there quietly, dignified, uh, valued, re- respecting ourselves, and seeing in this kind of embodied respect and presence, wow, there's a lot of nonsense in that mind. I had no idea. And we start maybe becoming um, disenchanted, disinterested. And so this movement towards disinterest. And uh, uh, some of that comes from starting to see more clearly the difference between events in the world and our relationship to them. So as I said earlier in the meditation, we might have troubles um, in the world, you know, the car has a flat tire, that's troubling maybe, or there might be much bigger ones, uh, troubles we have. <clears throat> maybe we have uh, family members who are ill and we have to care for them. And it's troubling, it's a tro- you know, it's a, tro- it's a trouble, it's a challenge, it's a problem to figure out how to do it well. And um, so there's a, the troubles and then there's being troubled by it. And just that distinction, separating those two, two out, then we can start seeing the, the feeling of being troubled as being something that we're contributing to it, something that is, is it's subjective and arising from within us. And we might not feel like we have much choice or ability to do anything about it, but when we sit and meditate regularly, and really bring a lot of mindfulness to our experience, and see how often we're troubled and start kind of feeling, getting some handle on it, seeing it clearly, and be able to kind of observe it, not being in it, um, not being absorbed in it. Um, The relationship to feeling troubled might change, and we might become disinterested, disenchanted with the value of feeling troubled. And some of the energy that goes into it, tension that we hold around it, begins to soften and relax. And then we might discover we can take care of the issues we have to take care of much better if we don't feel the tension or the burden, the weight uh, that comes with feeling troubled. So there's all so kind of becoming disenchanted with some of the reactivity and responses within us to events in the world. Disenchanted with the second arrows we, we shoot at ourselves. So... Um, um, so the idea of becoming disenchanted it's considered to be a form of wisdom that um, will support the momentum and the deepening of freedom in our lives so it has a tremendous value and it arises out of insight into seeing something clearly and uh, so whatever you see clearly enough that it allows for this deeper movement of disenchantment, maybe that's insight for you. So the question, the homework for today would be, what wisdom, what understanding, what insight do you have about what's happening for you and how you react, how you respond, how you think, how you feel, how you desire, um, that uh, 
might awaken or support a healthy disinterest, disenchantment with um, some of your desires, some of the things you've been caught up in. Give yourself some time today, maybe having tea, going for a walk, and considering this topic of disenchantment, healthy disinterest, and where, how, how might that kind of be um, evoked more, more strongly so that it supports you in your life? So thank you very much. And uh, so we'll take this another step tomorrow and to see where, as this disinterest, uh, healthy disinterest, disenchantment begins to uh, take hold, uh, uh, what that allows for, or what we can allow to happen next on this journey to freedom. So, thank you very much.